When organisations need to recruit vast numbers at once for their workforces, how can they ensure a positive candidate experience? I'm Hamish Coots, and you're listening to Talent Talks, brought to you by SEEK. Recently, we just helped the business with hiring around 800 casuals to assist with COVID parcel volumes. We had 50,000 applications for those 800 roles. Claire Planensek is Head of Talent Acquisition at Australia Post. The organisation is well-versed in recruiting large numbers during its seasonal hiring with an employee referral program, which Claire is discussing at this year's Digital Australasian Talent Conference. But when COVID-19 hit, it also brought a need for more large-scale hiring, this time with added complexity. We stood up a brand new program within 48 hours and started then delivering casuals every 24 hours thereafter based on the forecast from the business. As Claire joined us on the line for this remote episode, we spoke about Australia Post's hiring approach in both these peak situations and its work in maintaining a positive candidate experience throughout. Good morning, Claire. Morning. What prompted AusPost to shift your focus to the candidate experience and ensuring that candidates' needs are met? So, I mean, in regard to this particular, you know, presentation, we're talking about our Christmas casual campaign, which is a friends and family referral campaign. But more broadly speaking, I believe the candidate experience needs to be at the centre of all things recruitment. And particularly as TA leads, I think we need to have that focus. You know, our HR colleagues and other people in the business are very hiring manager centric and for the right reason. But I think that's our job is to make sure that everything we do actually works from a candidate perspective and makes sense for candidates. So, you know, that's one thing I think that we need to structure our processes to be candidate-centric. At Australia Post, we're probably in a unique position compared to a lot of other organisations in that every candidate already is our customer. Everybody has a postie. Everybody needs to use the post shop. I know a lot of organisations want every candidate to be their customer and treat them like their customer, but we actually know that ours are. So in that sense, you know, we need to, you know, keep that front and centre as well. And then in terms of the campaign that I spoke about, so the third element here, you know, as I said, it's a friends and family referral campaign. That actually means that these candidates are the loved ones of our employees. So again, we need to make sure that we're having a gold class experience. Talk me through how you came about having a friends and family referral program. It sounds very unique. I'll be quite honest with you. I haven't heard of it at the scale that you guys would do it. What was the, the process and the thought behind that? The peak Christmas campaign has been running for probably about six or seven years now. You know, I mean, really the premise of it is that the parcel volumes go up at Christmas time and we need casuals to help with, you know, processing those parcel volumes. And historically, the business used um, labour hire agency casuals, and they still do to a certain extent. Mm. Each year, I guess, the demand kept going up. We needed more casuals and we needed them for longer. So, you know, six years ago, you'd need a casual for November, December. But last year, we needed casuals from August through to January. Yeah. A decision was made a number of years ago for the talent acquisition team to start running that campaign. And at the time, they were only set up to do permanent and fixed-term recruitment. So it was something quite different for that team to do. Mm. You know, the reality is at Christmas time, we're looking for casuals at exactly the same time as a lot of other, you know, retail organisations, for example, looking for Christmas casuals. So how do you source 2,000-odd people when you're, you know, when a whole lot of other companies are doing the same thing? Mm. And I guess at Australia Post, people work here for a long time. They're quite passionate about the brand. 
and we figure, you know, they, the people in the front line actually know the roles quite well. And so what better you know, set of sources than your own people? So that's how that premise came about. Yeah. You know, we fill about 85% of our roles through that friends and family referral campaign. And you made a really interesting point there as well, because the, obviously friends and family, these are, these are people that are near and dear to them, their loved ones that they're putting forward. So that opens up the question, a good candidate experience, and perhaps not just in that campaign, but for you at OzPost as well. When you talk about being having, having a solid candidate experience, showing care for the candidate, what are the core principles of that at OzPost? What does that mean to you? Yeah, so, I mean, it means you've got to have a, a fairly streamlined recruitment process, you know, where, where possible, you need to make sure you've got good quality recruiters, dealing with these candidates. And every year, you know, to be honest, we've, you know, we do a, a project review on how this campaign goes every year and every year have recommendations about what we're going to improve the following year. And that, you know, has happened since the get-go. So one of the things we did, for example, last year was introduced a screening technology. And so it meant effectively that candidates could do an online interview and assessment in time that suited them. And what that means is that the consultants don't have to phone screen anymore. They're not screening people in or out. They're really, you know, they know who has met the inherent requirements of the role. And so really it's an engagement call, which is a much nicer candidate experience when instead of having questions fired at you, it's about telling you about the role, telling you about the recruitment process, answering any questions that you have. It's a very different experience for the candidates to have that sort of interaction early on yeah, than it is, you know, to have your typical phone screen where they know they're going to be ruled in or out and so they're a bit nervous about that, whereas this is yeah. from the get-go, you're kind of going, you know, you've, you've met this, this is just now finding out, does this work for you? And if it does, here's the next steps. And a very different interaction for your TA teams as well. Yeah, yeah. Having those conversations. I'm just, just interested in some of the lessons that you learnt along the way with engaging your existing staff in terms of the referral program. What did you learn? What were some of your key takeaways and helps you, you know, continue this program? that if you look at the Christmas program, it's been, as you said, been going for six or seven years. Yes, that's right. So I think early on, one of the key learnings for the team was to have what is the basis of the selection criteria because, you know, people can just walk up to your desk and say, my cousin, you know, got rejected. How come? So there's the balance between candidate confidentiality and, you know, trying to answer an employer's questions as much as possible. So, you know, if they're sort of asking about the process or what's going to happen next, etc., then we can answer those questions. But if it's kind of like, well, where's my son's application up to? It gets a bit trickier. Often we try to refer that referrer back to, you know, finding out from their, you know, friend or relative. But, you know, we do share as much information as we're actually able to. But we did, I guess, have an order of merit process that we came up pretty quickly because we needed to be able to explain to people why sometimes people wouldn't be successful. The biggest one is, and I always say this to everyone, apply for a job as early as possible. And I don't know where the culture came from that people leave applying for a job to the last minute or to the closing date (laughs) because your chances diminish by doing that. And it's the same with this campaign. We actually advertise these positions and invite some of our casuals back as early as July, but we get people applying in December. And by then, the the positions are all filled. That's why we needed to have an order of merit to help people understand. So, you know, it is about eligibility for the role. It's about location, availability, and when people applied, you know, those sorts of things that we can help our employees understand why someone is or isn't successful. 
Stay across the latest ideas and conversations about recruitment, HR, and the world of work. Subscribe or follow Seek Talent Talks today. Really interested to pick up uh, on your approach to transitioning from candidate rejection to candidate redirection and the success that you've had from this so far. So with this particular campaign, you know, the last few years, we've had like 10 to 20,000 applications through our friends and family referral campaign and to hire around two to two and a half thousand casuals. You can do the maths. There's a lot of rejections that actually have to happen in there too. Again, these are people related to our employees So it might be a general manager's daughter, it might be a postie's wife, you know, it can be lots of different people. So we want it to be a good experience. Some people are not suitable for the role sometimes because of the hours. So even though it's casual, it's pretty much, you know, uh, working a lot of days. It's not just I can do four hours on this day and that's it type of thing. So sometimes the type of hours we need people to do or the shift times don't suit or the location you know, may not suit. The physicality of the job sometimes doesn't suit. But there's a lot of people where it actually does work for them, but there's just not enough roles. And so in that instance, what the campaigns consultant does is, I guess, passes on that candidate to one of what I would call our BAU recruitment consultants. So in non-COVID times, we would have about a 1,000 open roles at any given time and including around Christmas time. So that's outside of this Christmas casual campaign. So that's the thing that the consultant can kind of go, there are roles, you know, in the state that you're in. Are you finding the work that you previously put into talent pooling uh, and the commitment is now crucially important as we are in these COVID times, that there are obviously a lot of applications coming in um, traditionally and and talent pooling and actually keeping in contact? Again, that's all part of a good candidate experience, isn't it? Yes, absolutely it is. I mean, you know, like the the challenge with all organisations is the sheer volume of candidates that we're getting at the moment and, you know, trying to work out a way how to manage that as quickly and respectfully as possible because we know there's a lot of people in, you know, dire situations. So recently we just um, helped the business with hiring around 800 casuals to um, assist with COVID parcel volumes. Um, We had 50,000 applications for those 800 roles. It's a lot of, you know, potentially a lot of rejection you have to do, but again what we're doing is talent pooling you know, where we can in, in those circumstances. How does your TA team even begin that process of shortlisting and qualifying that amount of applications for those roles? Sure. Yeah, it's a, it's a fair question. It was for COVID that we had 50,000 applications. The types of roles that we were recruiting in those 800-odd roles were in our processing centres truck drivers for our contact centre because as you can appreciate with an 80% increase in parcel volumes you get a lot more calls to the contact centre as well so we sort of needed those three key areas to recruit for. Our application process is weighted. We don't reject many people unless they you know for example don't meet you know some of the basic requirements of the, the role you know so there's that and then the next stage is to go through an online assessment which is a couple of video interview questions, but a lot of sort of um, short answer or multiple choice questions as well. So it's much more an assessment around the inherent requirements for the actual role. And then based on that, that's what the recruiters will have a look at and determine who they would then, you know, follow up with a phone call. One of the obvious ones around how you rule some people is based on location. So we obviously have the visibility to exactly where the jobs are 
And, you, you know, nobody ever advertises 800 jobs at once, so a candidate doesn't necessarily know, for example, you know, they know that there's jobs in Victoria, they don't know it might be Pakenham, for example, or Sunshine. So based on where a candidate is located and based on how they've gone in the first two steps of the recruitment process is how someone would be selected for, you know, their application to be viewed in detail and then, you know, to have a follow-up call from, from there. And again, we did it much more like an engagement call as opposed to ruling someone in or out. At the phone call, you kind of rule people out if they're not actually available for the shift. So it might be a 7am shift or it might be an overnight shift and if they can't do that for whatever reasons, you know, that's probably the reason they're ruled out. And then from there, they're put through a pre-employment screening process where, for example, for some of the roles of functional medical is, is part of that process because they have to lift, you know, boxes that might be 16 kilos or whatever on a regular basis. You know, it really comes down to location and availability and things like that as the how we screen post using other screening, you know, technology to assist us. And like I said, with the rest, because you don't want to reject 49,000 people, we have large facilities that we know we recruit for regularly. And with those people in those locations, one of the things we do is email them a notification to say, you know, we are looking to talent pool for future roles and do they want to talk to us about that? And those that respond yes, then, you know, we have a conversation with them and try to match them to the right opportunity. And in times like this, you get people applying some of the jobs you don't require, you know, skills or experience for, but a truck driver, for example, you do. Or you might have people applying that have retail experience. And so in having that talent pooling conversation with them, we'll talent pool them to the right role for our organisation, not necessarily just the one that they've applied for. So obviously there's been a huge increase uh, in demand in these COVID times for parcel delivery. And how your talent acquisition team have adapted through this particular time, these COVID times, still upholding that positive experience for candidates um, as well, which is so core to what you want to do as a talent acquisition team at OzPost. Yeah, absolutely. Look, you know, for every organisation, I think a lot has changed in the last little while from not knowing, you know, what was what was going to happen and what was coming our way. And it was no different for us. We kind of went, we don't know, is the economy going to end out in recession or depression? And so we actually started to prepare with the view of, you know, needing to put our, our people on leave potentially or not knowing what was going to happen. Um, so even though the parcel volumes early on were surging, we just didn't expect it to continue on for the length of time that it did. So one of the things that we did in our team was stood up a career break program where we were going to support any impacted employees to either get a career break within the organisation So, for example, if you're in marketing and you mightn't have meaningful work, you might want to, you know, go and help out in the front line knowing where it's busy. But also we partnered with a whole lot of organisations to help find employees external career breaks as well. So that's one thing that we did. And at the same time, we knew with the puzzle volumes going up that the business would be hiring labour hire casuals and we put together a bit of a plan around how we could assist with hiring casuals and it's very different when I say this casuals versus Christmas casuals because as I said, in Christmas, we know based on parcel volumes how many people we need where. The workforce planning is quite easy. So we have a forecast in July and we start delivering to that. And we know exactly how many people you need in November. Whereas in COVID times, it's pretty much you get the demand in one day and they need someone on site the next day. 
and they have to, you know, do compliance things, etc. So we put a proposal to the business around how we could actually do that. It took incredible collaboration across PNC in order to us to change what traditionally is a recruitment process that takes a couple of weeks to take 24 hours. You know, we're able to we're able to do it. Luckily, we do have this Christmas casual program because there was a lot of things that we could lift from that, like the technology we use, like the friends and family campaign. We did advertise externally, but we also ran a friends and family campaign. Yeah, within we stood up a brand new program within 48 hours and started then delivering casuals. You know, every 24 hours. You know, thereafter, based on the forecast from the business. And as I said, it's yeah, but 860 hires that were done over a matter of a few weeks. So my final question to you, you've been really generous with your time. What are the lessons that you've learned out of this COVID period um, in the last, the last few months that you plan to implement into your business as usual hiring process going through? We've got a couple of business cases that we're developing at the moment based on what we've done now that we want to be different with the recruitment process, but they're not across the line yet and I don't want to jinx myself by talking about <laughs> If you can appreciate that. But there are certainly, you know, two or three golden opportunities based on, you know, the experience that I've just spoken to about and things that we can do differently in recruitment. To me, you know, the the biggest thing I've learned in this process is how differently everybody can actually work. And it's not just the working, you know, remotely and working with different technologies and all that sort of stuff. It's, you know, how willing colleagues are to actually break apart a process that they usually do and for good reason and to find a way to do something in a different way so that it's actually helping the business where the business actually needs it and as quickly as the business needs. So, you know, I I really enjoyed that aspect of it. I think, you know, the ideas and creativity that, you know, my PNC colleagues and I were able to come up with and my team as well were able to come up with to really do things, break things apart do things differently, you know, was quite remarkable. And, you know, that, that worked because we stood up something completely different in new program and new service within 48 hours. Well, thanks for joining us for this remote episode. For more ideas and discussions on the world of work, adapting to change, and all things recruitment and HR, stay tuned for upcoming episodes of Seek Talent Talks.